0: All right. I'm glad that Jesus loved us first, and that He taught us what love is and how we can love, and uh, what a good God we serve. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Proverbs chapter number 26. Proverbs 26. And we've looked at uh, uh, we've looked at the fool's folly in the first part of the chapter. We've looked at the slothful man and. Uh, verses 13 through 16, and tonight we're going to look at strife and contention in verses 17. And uh, I have said in times past all the way down through 21, and I was looking today at verse 22, and uh, it does start out with words in verse 22, and really it could go either way. You could, you could put it with the words or you could put it with the strife and contention, uh, but I do think it tends to uh, fall a little bit better uh, with the, the uh, strife and contention that we're going to look at tonight. And so we'll include it in tonight's, uh, but certainly it could go either way there as it's on a line. And uh, I wouldn't disagree with anybody if they said it had to do with words. I wouldn't disagree with anybody if they said it had to do with strife, because it really has to do with both. And so, uh, so it really could go both ways. I want to define really uh, quick. Well, let's go ahead and read verse 17 there. Proverbs 26 and verse 17, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message. Proverbs twenty six seventeen. the Bible says, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. And let's stop right there. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity, again, that we have to study your word, Father, and the privilege, really, that we have to come into this building and be able to gather around your word, Father, unobstructed, unhindered, uh, without fear that we would be arrested or that there would be some other uh, recompense. And God, we know that even, uh, even in America, there are still churches that are meeting outdoors, and, uh, and God, I pray that you would preserve our freedom and our religious liberty here. And we'll thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you'd speak through me and touch hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, of course, these, these verses deal with strife and contention. So I want to define both of those terms so that we're very clear what is strife uh, and what is contention. Because I believe that's important understanding the meanings of the words helps us to understand uh, what, how, how this passage is dealing with it and, uh, and what we shouldn't do and what we should do. And so strife is this. Strife is exertion or contention for superiority, contest of emulation, either by intellectual or physical efforts. Uh, and then another definition is contention and anger or enmity. Contest, struggle for victory, opposition, contrariety, and contrast. And so strife, uh, you can see throughout that definition that it is a a struggle for superiority, and it's not just physical. Sometimes if you watch uh, a physical fight or uh, boxing or or wrestling or anything of that nature, uh, one is trying to get the victory over the other. That would be strife. That would be an accurate definition of that. But it's not always just physical Uh, there are there are uh, many times um words that are used and and somebody is striving for superiority uh maybe in the workplace sometimes that happens uh in the workplace somebody who is not your boss uh tries to pretend that they are your boss and uh and they're telling you what to do like they're your boss and you're like man that guy gets on my nerves He's always telling me what to do and he's not my boss. There's strife. That is uh, a form of strife. Somebody trying to get superiority over another person. And so that's strife. Contention or contentious is different. Um, and it, it means this. It's, very, it's close, but it's a little bit different. It says, apt to contend, given to angry debate, quarrelsome, perverse. Exciting or adapted to provoke contention or disputes as a contentious subject. Now, contentious would be uh, somebody who likes to uh, stir up the pot. Somebody who likes to cause problems. Uh, Somebody who likes to, if you have siblings, okay, you know there's one usually uh, that likes to just kind of stir the pot. He likes to cause, uh, cause a little bit of problem or debate. And, and I confess that I enjoy debate. I really do. Now, I don't like angry debate, uh, but I love a good discussion. And as long as neither side is getting mad, boy, I, I don't mind sitting down and debating things out and talking things out and and uh, and figuring out uh, what one person thinks and, and, and kind of going uh, back and forth with words. That doesn't bother me. I, I uh, Sometimes I enjoy that. Again, as long as it's not mean-spirited or... Um, you know, angry, you know, because when when we hit that point, it's no longer enjoyable. But uh, that would be contention. And so uh, somebody who's argumentative, we could say it that way. Uh, Strife is an evidence of carnality. I looked up the word strife throughout the Bible and it was used, uh, I think it was 40 sometimes throughout scripture or, or maybe a little bit more than that, I don't recall now, but it was used a lot. And uh, and the Bible gives us an idea of strife in 1 Corinthians chapter number three and verse number three. You can turn over there if you'd like. I'm going to put my marker here so I can get back here easily. 1 Corinthians chapter three. and verse number three, Paul is, of of course, talking with the Corinthian Christians and he's talking about how they are uh, babes in Christ and how they're not mature and how they're not grown up in the Lord like they should be and in verse number 3 1 Corinthians 3 3 he says this for ye are yet carnal for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions are ye not carnal and walk as men and so Paul is equating this idea of strife to carnality uh, and and so we need to understand that. Uh, not only that, but many times strife—not all always—but many times strife is a result of a prideful heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 28:25. You can just mark it down, or if you're quick, well, it's right there by our passage. Um, Proverbs 28:25 says, "He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, uh, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat." Um, and then strife is not of God. The Bible says in James three sixteen, 16, uh, for wherefore, envying and strife, for where, excuse me, let me start over. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And so the Bible has a lot to say about strife. And we're going to look at this passage and it's going to deal with strife and it's going to talk about strife. Uh, these are other, other verses in the book of Proverbs that mention strife. I did not write them all down, but I wrote down a few that I thought were very, uh, very direct and very um, straightforward and easily understood. In Proverbs 10 and verse 12, it says, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Proverbs fifteen, eighteen: a wrathful man stirreth up strife. But he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Proverbs 16, 28. A froward man soweth strife, and whisperer, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Proverbs 17, 19. He loveth transgression that loveth strife, and he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. And then Proverbs 17, 1, and I'll, I'll stop with this one. It says... Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Um, and, and those are just some straightforward verses that are pretty clear on, on what strife is. And so we kind of got a good idea that strife is uh, a, a somebody think of strife and strive. Somebody striving to be at the, somebody striving to be in charge, somebody striving to for superiority, and, uh, and that's the idea of strife. And we see here in our verse in Proverbs 26, 17, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. And I put down for this verse, swift involvement into strife. Uh, don't be swift to jump into strife. Uh, we find here in this verse, he that passeth by. In other words, that's somebody who's not necessarily involved. They might not even know the two parties. I've, uh, I've taken a self-defense class, and in that self-defense class, they said, you better be very careful if you're driving down the road and you happen to see an argument and you happen to see an actual fist fight taking place. When, and, and if you say, well, i got to get out and intervene and help, help that person. They said, you better be very careful. Because you don't know anything about those people. You don't know who started the fight. You don't know who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And you can say, well, the guy that's losing, he's the good guy. You don't know that. You don't know. I mean, I tend to root for the underdog, but you don't have any idea. And that's what the Bible is saying. Listen, we need to be very careful about stepping into somebody else's strife and trying to, uh, trying to help out because this guy in this, in this illustration, he that passeth by. In other words, uh, he's not involved. He was just kind of going by, mind his own business, and he happened upon a strife. Maybe it was a verbal argument. Uh, we don't know, uh, but it was a, a strife. Somebody trying to gain superiority. And, uh, and he arbitrarily would have to choose a side. Let's say he even knew one person. Even so, you don't know that that person wasn't wrong. You don't know what took place before all of that. And so you've got to be careful about just jumping into a, a situation of strife. There's great value in understanding the situation in which you involve yourself. And let's not be quick to jump in. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 or 25 and verse number 8, Go not forth hastily to strive lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. we got to be careful about hastily jumping in to a strife. Uh, that, and then he says there, uh, and he says in the second part, well, belonging not to him. Uh, and he says, listen, we should not involve ourselves. In something again, it's a contention for superiority, and it's not necessarily uh, your fight. Uh, and so you got to be careful about meddling. Meddling would be getting involved in somebody, somebody else's business. And there's a lot of value to staying out of people's business. Sometimes you don't know everything that's going on. Uh, sometimes you don't know the whole situation, and we're quick to jump to conclusions and we're quick to draw ideas and we're quick to say well he shouldn't have done that well you don't know what all what the whole situation was and so we need to be very careful about jumping in and meddling or or putting ourselves or involving ourselves in strife that does not belong to us and the second part of that he said is like one that taketh a dog by the ears now If you have a dog, don't do this. Don't grab your dog by the ears. I've never never seen somebody uh, that was a a loving dog owner grab their dog by the ears and pick them up. You know why? You don't do that. Uh, You just don't. I mean, it's not good for the dog, obviously, and those ears are sensitive. And secondly, you know what's going to happen when you do that? You're too close to them teeth, man. He's going to bite you. Uh, he's not going to put up with that. You don't just grab a dog. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, man, I, I don't even grab my own pet dog, you know, by the ears, and my dog's pretty small. Uh, but I don't grab her by the ears uh, and 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 pick her up because, man, she would bite me. But then you think about this: what about a strange dog? I mean, this Bible gives us the Bible gives us the idea that somebody who's passing by, uh, and man, could you imagine grabbing a strange dog by the ears? Now I've been. I've had my fair share of conflicts with dogs. Um, and, and I could tell you a couple stories, but I'll, I'll spare you all the details. But I will say this, that you wouldn't reach down ever uh, and grab a dog that is coming after you by the ears. There's just no way. Um, I, and and I, you know what was nice about Peru is in Peru, all you had to do was go like this. If a dog started coming after you, just go like this. That's all you do. They don't even have to be nothing on the floor, and what that what that means to the dog is he just picked up a rock and he's about to bean us, and I'm not kidding you. Every dog on the streets of Peru knows that's a, that's like an international, not an international, it must be a national. That's a national thing to every dog, and, and they don't they don't bother you. I'm telling you, I I watched. Uh, Uh, I watched a lady, a campesino lady in Peru, and uh, and man, a dog was barking at her, and and it wasn't even close, it was probably, uh, I don't know, quite a ways away, and she bent down, she picked up a rock, man, she threw that thing and beamed the dog, square, I mean, she hit that thing, that dog yelped and ran, and that's why them dogs run. Uh, but you just don't grab a dog by the ears. I mean, you don't want to get bit. And what he's saying is if you intermeddle with somebody else's strife, if you're jumping into an argument, you are going to be damaging yourself. You are going to bring uh, problems in your own life. You are inviting danger and difficulty and, and hurt to your own self. And so be careful. Don't jump into somebody else's strife. Don't jump into somebody else's argument. Uh, swift involvement into strife is very problematic. And, uh, and you need to be careful about getting involved in somebody else's fight. Not only that, but look with me at verse 18. It says in verse number 18, As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, am I not, am not I in sport? Now let's take the first verse. These two verses go together, but let's take the first verse. And for these, I put down, uh, so the first one I put down, swift involvement in strife. The second one I put down is subtle stirring of strife. Subtle stirring of strife. Now the first part of it says a madman. Now we would think of a madman as a crazy man, and that would be accurate, a disordered in intellect. Distracted or furious, and it says, so a madman who casteth firebrands now I had to look that word up. I thought, what is a firebrand? I know i 've read it in the Bible, uh, but i didn't know what it meant right off the top of my head, and so I looked it up, and a firebrand simply means any kind of stick that is on fire. Uh, it could be a dart that 's on fire, it could just be a a, a log that 's on fire, it could be a piece of coal or uh, burning wood that 's on fire, but it 's something Uh, that's burning and on fire. So as we read this, again, he says, as a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. Now, all three of those things are going to cause destruction. In other words, it's reckless. Uh, Somebody who's throwing fire, uh, that's foolish. I mean, that's going to cause a problem. And somebody who is um, angry, sometimes you act out of anger, sometimes you act out of, uh, uh, maybe distraction, maybe you're thinking about something else and, and you grab something and you toss it and it was on fire and and, and you, it's, it's dangerous. Maybe arrows, you know, if you're not thinking about where you're pointing it, uh, it could be dangerous. In Bible times it was arrows. Uh, I've been at ranges before and I remember somebody with a, a new, they were a new person to guns and and uh, somebody gave him a gun and, 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 and they, it wasn't loaded, but they swung it around like this. And when they did, I mean, everyone started hitting the dirt everywhere because you don't point a gun in the direction of somebody. And, uh, and so this person was, uh, is kind of like that, that hay that, hey, is dangerous. And, uh, and then death. In other words, um, that would be anything that would be deadly or anything that would be destructive. And so as this person that is crazy... Uh, Maybe he's distracted, maybe he's legitimately crazy, maybe he's distracted, maybe he's angered, uh, but he's throwing stuff and he's causing disaster and destruction everywhere he turns. That's verse 18. And he compares it to, in verse 19, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, am not I in sport, now 19, he says, deceit, he deceiveth. Now obviously deceive is to mislead the mind or cause to err or believe what is false or disbelieve something that is true. And so you're you're altering what this person is thinking. You're causing them to think uh, one thing or another. Now there's many reasons that people deceive other people. Sometimes people deceive other people uh, because they want to uh, sell them something. Um, they're a, a slick talking salesman. And, uh, and man, they will tell you this thing will do everything and uh, it, will, it, will, it will be the most wonderful thing and your life will be changed because you bought this and, and you can only get it today for 19.99. Isn't that the way they talk? And uh, my dad taught me a long time ago, if, if, if the deal is only good today, you better walk away. If it's only good for right now, then you better walk away because uh, they're, they're trying to pull something over on you. And, uh, and he says, listen, if somebody is deceiving, maybe they're deceiving because they want to sell something. Maybe they're deceiving because uh, they want to slander someone or destroy somebody's reputation. Uh, that would be another reason. Uh, maybe they want you to think that they're really good and maybe they're really not. And, uh, and so there's many reasons that deception would come into play. Uh, but then also I want you to notice it says, so is the man that deceiveth. His neighbor. Now, obviously, that would apply immediately to your neighbor, but I always go back to the New Testament, and I always think of uh, when when that one fella asked Jesus. Remember, uh, he was trying to justify himself, and he was saying, "Well, I'm a, I've kept the law, and I'm good, and I've done this, and I've done that." And and uh, and Jesus said, uh, "That do you love your neighbor?" And he says this in Luke ten twenty nine. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus. Who is my neighbor? In other words, well, I've been good to my neighbor that lives next door to me. That's my neighbor. But, but he wasn't willing to talk about the rest of the people around him. And Jesus, in, in Luke chapter 10, he goes into the dialogue and he goes into the uh, parable of the, um, the Good Samaritan and how that one man had fallen among thieves. And how the, uh, the priest comes by and he wouldn't have nothing to do with him. The Levite comes by and he wouldn't have nothing to do with him. And then the Samaritan comes by and he takes and he bandages up his wounds and he puts him on his own donkey and he takes him to an inn and he pays for him to stay. That was his... He said, listen, the Samaritans hated the Jews. And so there was more of an illustration that, listen, our neighbor uh, is anybody that we have any association with. Jesus broadened the idea of neighbor to not just the person that lives beside you, but rather anybody with whom you would have any interaction or passing by in your lifetime. And so we find, the Bible says, so is, in verse number 19, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor. And so somebody who would deceive uh, somebody else. And, And look at what he says, and saith, am I... Am not I in sport? And we find his desire. Not only his destruction, his deceit, and his desire, but I want you to notice it's very subtle. Um, he'll pretend to be a friend. He says at the end, Am not I in sport? In other words, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking with you. And, and, uh, and, and he's not really joking. There, there's a, a seriousness to this. And the Bible would give us a strong warning about being deceptive with other people and, and not being truthful and not being honest and, and and you think about that, that's going to stir strife because when they find out that you haven't been honest with them, that's going to bother them and there's going to be strife and, and they'll realize, oh, you just worked me over and you just manipulated my, my thoughts and you just caused something uh, untrue to take place and and listen, It's the exact same tactic the devil used in the Garden of Eden. That's why I put the word subtle down. You know, in in Genesis chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You know what that serpent did? Now, he didn't slither because he must have had legs. Think about that for a minute. Because the Bible says that God cursed him afterwards and said, you'll slide on your belly and d- dust you'll eat all the rest of your days. And so, uh, so I'm assuming, maybe he didn't, I don't know, but I'm assuming maybe he had some kind of legs. I don't know. Or maybe he had a long neck and kept his head up. I don't know. I don't know what kind of creature. The Bible doesn't say, but I do know this. I was going to say he slithered up to her, but he didn't. I don't think he slithered. He came right up to Eve, and you know what he did? He pretended to be her friend. That's subtlety. That is deception. Because that snake, Satan, was not Eve's friend that he was not looking out for the best interest of Eve rather he 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 c- kind of got real close and and I I think he just talked real friendly like and uh and made it sound all real good but there was subtlety there because his idea was not to befriend Eve not to help Eve not to uh encourage Eve but rather to cause her to go against the Lord God and we find that as we look at this verse, think about that subtlety and think about these verses. As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am not I in sport? In other words, there's, uh, there's, it's very destructive. Uh, to, to go up to somebody and, and pretend uh, to be their friend and pretend to be uh, nice to them so that you can get something uh, perhaps that you want or that you desire. And there's subtlety in stirring up strife. And a lot of people are good at, at, at very subtly stirring the pot. Listen, if you know somebody, it's not hard to, uh, we call it in our house, press the right buttons to make them angry and stir up strife. If you know somebody, it's not hard to press the right buttons to, uh, to make them uh, think one thing and maybe even get mad at somebody else and stir up strife. And so there's subtlety uh, stirring up strife. And that's the idea in this verse uh, that somebody would deceive their neighbor. They wouldn't know what they're doing. And, uh, and then they would say, oh, am not, I, am not I in sport? But the Bible says in verse 18 that it is very destructive. And it causes harm. And it's not something that is a good. And so we see subtle stirring of strife. Look with me at verse 20. The Bible says in verse number 20, this is one of my favorite verses. My dad has taught me, my dad gave me this verse when I was little. He said, uh, it says in verse number 20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So, there, so where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceaseth Um, where there is no wood the fire goeth out Uh, where there is no wood there the fire goeth out I remember every day my dad would come come down and uh, we'd come home from church and our house would be chilly and he'd walk over to the wood stove and he'd put his hands close and and then he would put his hand on it and he'd look up and he'd say where there is no wood the fire goeth out and he'd leave and that meant boys get some wood put it on the fire get the fire going and, uh, and so my dad taught me very young that, listen, if there's no wood, there's not, obviously not going to be fire. Every one of us can relate to a campfire. Every one of us can relate to a bonfire. Uh, you have a fire, and, and as, long as, there, as long as you keep putting wood on that fire, it will keep burning. But you know what happens if you don't put wood on it? Eventually, at some point, it's going to die down, and it's just going to turn into some embers. And eventually, even those are going to burn out and there's not going to be anything left because there's no wood there. Uh, Not only that, but I also learned uh, that if you separate logs in a fire, my dad always said, uh, sometimes we wanted to put the fire out. uh, And I'm like, well, how do you do that? And, And he said, well, you just get in there and you separate the wood. You know, one piece of wood by itself won't burn. It'll burn for a little bit, I mean, if you have a good fire. But if you have two logs on a campfire, you try it next time you have a little bonfire in your house and you want to put it out and you're like, man, I don't want to stay out here. You just take and separate those two logs and they'll eventually burn out. They, and in the morning, they'll still be there. Why? Because they're separated. They, they, they burn together, but if you separate them, they're not going to burn. And the Bible here would give us that illustration that is so common. He says, where no wood is, there the fire Go without. That's a concept that we all understand. And, uh, and, and listen, we can understand that. And then he says the second part. So, where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. Now, what's a talebearer? Well, the Bible or the dictionary said this a person who officiously tells tales, one who makes mischief in society by his officiousness in the dictionary is not helpful sometimes because I didn't know what officious means. And so I looked up officious and it means busybody, basically. So basically you have a gossip is what you have. It boils down to somebody, a tale bearer would be somebody who's a storyteller. And uh, and, and maybe you would call him a fibber. Maybe you'd call him a gossip. Maybe you'd, you'd tell them, uh, uh, call him somebody who uh, maybe doesn't always tell the truth or they stretch the truth or you'd call him a... a uh, they're telling fishermen tales. Uh, you know, the fish grows and grows after it's caught. Uh, first year, it's, I caught a fish this big. Next year, it was this big. And the following year, it's this big. That's a fish tale. Uh, in other words, it just keeps going. And, uh, and some people uh, tell tales. And the Bible says here in verse 20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceaseth. You know when there's not somebody gossiping, and there's not somebody busy spinning tales, things calm down, and there's not there's no problem. And that's a real basic idea of stopping strife. Uh, listen, uh, we need to be be careful that we don't entertain talebearers. You know, as long I said this a couple weeks ago, as long as you listen to a talebearer, they'll talk. We had a guy. Uh, I, I knew a guy one time and, and he would, I am telling you, he would tell me some of the craziest stories. And he was serious as a heart attack. And, and I thought to myself, there is no way all of that is true. And I go back and, and, and I'd talk to him again and, and he wasn't the same man I was, I tried to witness to him and, and, uh, and I go back and, and he would tell me more stories. And I would tell him about salvation. And he would tell me how he, uh, he was on a, on a log in the Mediterranean Sea for uh, three days that he hung on to that log. And finally somebody come and saved him. And that was his salvation. And, uh, and he would tell me stories. And I, I thought, man, I, I had never heard somebody spin so many tales in all of my life. And I, I, I don't know if they were true, but I tend to think a lot of them were not. Um, they just they were out there. He was a tail And uh, we need to be careful of that. The Bible warns us about um, being devoured. Look at look with me in Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, you'll recognize as the fruit of the spirits. It's an interesting chapter because he goes through the uh, the the fruit of the flesh, and then he goes into the fruit of the spirit. But before he even gets there, he talks about in verse uh, fourteen, Galatians five fourteen. He's talking about having liberty, but not liberty to sin, but rather liberty to do do right. And he's talking about by love serve one another in verse 13. Look with me at verse 14. He says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Isn't it interesting that Proverbs would equate uh, strife and talebearing uh, to fire? And you know what happens when you put in two fires into or two logs into a fire and you let it go long enough, eventually those logs are going to burn away, and there'll be nothing left but ash and listen the same true the same holds true in strife, going back to proverbs and in our idea that uh, uh, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbear, the strife ceaseth. And then Galatians 5, 14 and 15 uh, would lead us to believe that, hey, if you bite and devour one another, in other words, if there's strife and division, like he says in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. In other words, if that goes on, you will absolutely destroy each other. And there will be nothing left just like a fire would burn up the wood. And so where there is no wood, uh, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. We need to be careful that we don't spread or allow strife to continue and the tail to continue or the gossiping uh, to continue because that's going to gender strife. Uh, and it's going to gender problems. And so uh, stopping strife is obviously stopping the, the gossip, stopping the tail bearing, not listening to it, not heeding it, uh, not allowing it. Look at verse 21. And he talks about spreading strife in verse 21. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. As coals are to burning coals. Now, coal is a little bit different than wood. Uh, It doesn't ignite as fast. It takes a little bit longer. Uh, But in Peru, we had coal. And I think it was coal that they mined out of ground. It was not like uh, wood that they had created coal from. It was like hard pressed coal that was made in the ground. And, And when you wanted to start a fire with that stuff, man, it was a nightmare to get it started. I kid you not. Uh, my, my friend, he would, he would grill with it, and that's the only coal they had. When you went to the store, you couldn't buy charcoal like we have here in the States. It was hard, hard coal. And, uh, and he, would, he would soak it in rubbing alcohol for, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, and then after that, he would light it, and I kid you not, he would put a fan on it uh, for, for a half hour to get that thing started. You're talking an hour just to get an ember going. And then once you got that going, uh, man, it burns super hot. But then you could put more coal on that, and that would ignite more coal. So once you got a flame going, and once you got one lit, it was not difficult, it was not as hard to get the next piece of coal lit. And I, I read that, and think about this in verse 21, as coals are to burning coals. That would be... The fuel that fuels the fire. That would be uh, something that would continue to uh, have the flame go on and go forward. Something that could be consumed. And he says there in the second part, "And, and wood to fire. That would be the fuel, the fuel that is burned up. He's saying, strife will spread from one person to another person. And, and we're talking about tailbearing. We're talking about contention. We're talking about strife. And, and listen, you can, have, you can have a whole bunch of wood. And you can go home tonight and you can throw it in your wood stove. You can throw it in your fireplace. You can throw it in your fire pit outside if you have a fire pit. And if there's nothing there, it's not going to light. You got good wood. You got good coal. You, you could put it all in there, but it, nothing's going to happen. You can wait for hours. You can sit there and wait and nothing is going to happen. But as soon as something lights it and ignites it, uh, listen, it starts to spread from one log to another. Just as a piece of coal will ignite another piece of coal, but getting the first piece of coal sometimes started is a lot of work and takes a lot of effort but once you've got it started man it will spread to the next and what i'm saying is this and what i believe the bible is saying that listen when strife starts to take place and and it happens with tail bears listen it will spread to good people and consume them just like coal just like wood just like fire and you become the fuel to the strife and to the gossip and to the talebearing and to all that goes into that until you are completely consumed. And what I'm saying is, listen, I have watched it take place and it will destroy people. It will destroy congregations. It will destroy families. It will destroy people. It is very destructive, and that is what the Bible is trying to get across. He equates it with fire, not by accident, not just in one verse... But he goes on about it and he says, listen, if you separate the wood and you keep away from the strife and the tailbearing and you keep yourself away from the gossip and you keep yourself away from what is going on. Hey, that'll keep you from being consumed and being ignited uh, on fire with the strife and the tailbearing that is taking place. And that will save you the trouble in your life. And so you need to be careful about strife, because it will spread from one person to another. The Bible says in Proverbs 16:28, "A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends." That whisperer would be a gossip. That whisperer would be a talebearer. That whisperer would be somebody who would go in. So a a froward, which would be a perverse man, soweth strife. In other words, he he's trying to uh, cause division between two people. And a whisperer separateth chief of friends. In other words, two people who have been friends and and are friends uh, would get separated. Why? Because of gossip. And it's dangerous. And it's destructive. And I'm telling you this, it will, it will destroy people. And you can watch it take place. And it's sad. And you, You've got to be careful of, of gossip and, and talebearing uh, because it genders strife and it becomes a problem. Look what it says there in verse 21, 22, I'm sorry, verse 22. It says the words of a talebearer." are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. And I wrote down for that the soreness of strife. And listen, words, I know the old rhyme that sticks and stones may break my bones and words will never hurt me and I know I understand the concept behind that is to teach children to be strong against words. But the truth of the matter is words can be very destructive and words can be very hurtful. And and many a marriage has been absolutely destroyed on words. Many a family has been ripped apart on words. Many a church has been ripped uh, asunder by words and gossip and and tail bearing and all of these things to the point that, hey, We have got to be warned, the Bible is very clear that these are dangerous things. And the Bible says here, the words of a talebearer or a gossip are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. They run deep. There's something uh, that can be very painful and, and sometimes last for years. And so we need to be very careful about strife. And, and the Bible is very clear that, hey, we need to be patient. We need to be long suffering. We need to be uh, loving. We need to be compassionate. And listen, I know that's not always easy. I understand that. I realize that. But that's what we're commanded to do. Because if we're striving for superiority, then there's going to be a problem. You know what the disciples did at the, uh, towards the, the Last Supper, toward, towards that time when, when they were with Jesus, They were debating about who would be the greatest in heaven. The disciples were. Talk about strife. They were striving. They were saying, hey, listen, I'm uh, going to... I'm going to be better than you because I've done this and I've done that. And man, I'm going to sit in the right hand of the seat of of God. I'm going to be his right hand man because I've been Jesus' right hand man this whole time on earth. and, And certainly that was me. They were striving to see who would be the top dog in heaven. And Jesus corrected them and said, listen, the greatest among you is a servant. We need to be careful that we don't strive superiority many times that's driven out of a heart of pride that says, well, I'm better or I, I, I know better or I can do better. And we need to be careful of strife in our heart. As I read those verses in the very beginning, strife can be born out of many things. Many times it is born out of pride. It can be born out of hatred. A Wrathful man stirreth up stride. A froward man soweth strife. He that loveth transgression loveth strife. But the Bible says, better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. We need to have a sweet spirit of loving the Lord, following the Lord, living for the Lord in our life. And we need to be careful of strife in our own life because it can be very dangerous, very damaging. Uh, to us and to those around us. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for the warnings given so clearly in your word about strife. And the truth be known, Father, every one of us have at least somewhat of pride in our life and a potential for strife and a potential to try and be better than somebody else. God, help us to exalt you, exalt your name and not exalt ourselves and not strive for superiority not try to be number one, but God help us to lift you up and to honor and glorify you in everything that we do in our life. God help us not to be tail bearers, listening to tail bearing, gossip. Help us not to jump hastily into strife, Help us not to be deceitful to others, be subtle in strife. God, help us to be sincere earnest Christians, with sincere earnest motives to serve you in our life. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we have just a short hymn of invitation. strife, contending for superiority.